Section 24, Chapter 19, Sisters of Mount St. Vincent. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rita Boutros. Sisters of Mount St. Vincent. All work done by the Sisters of Charity of Mount St. Vincent during the war was of a high order. The first of the sisters to enter the service as nurses were Sister Anthony and Sophia. Both were sent to Camp Denison, Cincinnati, Ohio, on the 1st of May, 1861. On the evening before that date, a peculiar holy calm was upon the beautiful convent, which is located on a hilltop just within the limits of Cincinnati. The structure, surrounded by cedar trees and well-cultivated grounds, had in it the appearance of nobility, religion, peace, and charity. The golden rays of the setting sun glanced, then darkened, as the sisters were enjoying their evening walk. A messenger suddenly called for the superior. The mother leaves her religious family to attend to business. Only a few minutes elapse when she returns to inform her sisters that his honor, the mayor of Cincinnati, and the most reverend Archbishop Purcell earnestly request the Sisters of Charity to attend the sick troops who are stationed at Camp Denison. There were no commands. All willingly volunteered to nurse the sick soldiers. Preparations were quickly made, and on May 1, 1861, five members of the community were named for the camp. Sisters Sophia and Anthony were sent in advance, and sisters Bernardine, Alphonse, and Magdalene followed. Camp Denison was situated about 15 miles from Cincinnati on the Little Miami Railroad. This location was advantageous for many reasons, easy of access, with ample space and abundance of water, level and suitable for military purposes. Mother Josephine, the presiding superior, accompanied the sisters to this new home. Their duties consisted principally in attending the soldiers who were suffering from measles, which had broken out in the ranks in the very worst form. After these soldiers had recovered health, the sisters returned to the Mother Superior House at Cedar Grove, Cincinnati. After the return from Camp Denison, a hasty call was received from the Mayor of Cumberland to attend the sick and wounded of that place, Sister Anthony was among the number, and an amusing incident is related of the sisters' leave-taking. As the goodbyes were being said, the train moved off, carrying only Sister Anthony. She arrived in Columbus some hours in advance of the others, who boarded the next train. Arriving at the station in Columbus, she received a telegram from the Most Reverend Archbishop of Cincinnati to return immediately to St. John's Hospital, to prepare for the sick and wounded soldiers who were there, being brought from different places. The sisters named for Cumberland were sisters Sophia, Ambrosia, Etienne, Agnes, Jane, Mary, and Gabriella. There they were kindly received by a Catholic family. Dr. McMahon, the attending physician, was kind and attentive. The weather was cold, the accommodations poor, and the hospitals, of which there were twelve, were some distance from each other. 
There were crowded into these hospitals at one time 2,200 poor soldiers suffering from typhoid fever, pneumonia, erysipelas, etc. The duties were very trying, but a murmur never escaped from the lips of one sister of charity. Almighty God and His glory being their only aim, all seemed easy. Sad and numerous were the scenes we witnessed in those hospitals, says one of the sisters, yet none presents itself more vividly to my mind today than the suffering of the boy soldiers longing for home and mother. How often were those endearing words, mother, home, mentioned? Sister Jane says, I had in my ward a droll boy named Billy. Now our Billy had watched the sisters for some time and addressed me thus, Lady, what is that I hear the boys call you? Sister? Ah, that is a beautiful name. Well, sister, will you give me your Bible? I would like to know something of your religion. Billy received the little Bible, or rather a small catechism, of which he made good use. He was soon baptized, made his first Holy Communion, and his zeal did not end here. Often have I seen him on a platform explaining the words of his catechism to his comrades, many of whom became fervent children of the church. Many hundreds of like instances could be cited, but I trust they are written in the Book of Life. Sister Agnes spent about three months in Cumberland nursing the sick soldiers. She then returned to St. John's Hospital, Cincinnati, to nurse the soldiers who were being sent from Richmond and Nashville to the city. It was here I witnessed the most appalling sights, she says, men wanting arms or legs, and sometimes wanting both arms and legs, pale, haggard faces, worn from long marching and fasting. Many, I think, died of broken hearts. Faces and voices haunt me yet, calling for home and dear ones, whom they were destined never again to behold on earth. The streets of this now flourishing city were then the scenes of extreme suffering and misery. Frequently fine young men seated on their own coffins passed through on their way to execution on some neighboring hillside. About the 16th of February, the sisters received a hasty call from Cumberland. Mother Josephine and Reverend Father Collins were to accompany them to the scene of their duties. They reached Wheeling about 5 p.m. the next day and received hospitality from the visitation nuns. The next morning, in the face of a blinding storm of sleet and snow, the sisters started for Cumberland, where they were met at the station by Dr. McMahon, the surgeon of the post. They walked in procession through the streets and were the objects of much curiosity. That evening they secured some rooms but slept on the floor. The next morning they were assigned some apartments in the house of a southern gentleman, Dr. Healy, whose sympathy with the South compelled him to leave home and family. The accommodations here were little better than at the hotel. The bunks were made of rough boards covered with straw ticks, and the pillows were of the same material. Pages would not suffice to relate all the good done in Cumberland. Often during the stillness of night, one might have gazed on a sister as she stood at the cot of a dying soldier, heard her whisper words of consolation and religion in his ears, saw her close gently his dying eyes. Thus they passed long, weary nights. Early in March, 1863, the sisters of Mount St. Vincent, who had already done valiant service in other localities, 
were invited to go to Nashville to nurse the sick and wounded of that place. Those named were sisters Anthony, Constantina, Louise, Benedicta, and Gabriella. They left Cincinnati March 19, 1863, and were accompanied by Reverend Father Tracy. There were four hospitals at this place, fairly well adapted for their purpose. Sister Constantina, who took charge of the first one, proved to be an angel of mercy to the poor invalids. The building was formerly an old cotton mill located on an eminence known as College Hill. The sisters were quartered in a small house opposite to this place, and during their stay were treated with the greatest consideration. Many of the wounded were sent to this place after the Battle of Stone River. Most of the patients were young, and they suffered intense agony. At one time, measles became quite epidemic among the soldiers, from which many of them died. It was during the mission at this place that General Rosecrans, with his bodyguard, made daily visits to the sick. He was wont to say in his kind, jovial way, Come, come, boys, you are foxing. These sisters are too good to you. Then laugh heartily at his remarks. He was very kind to all the sisters. The next important call to duty was at New Creek. The Sisters of Charity named for this colony were Sister Sophia in charge, assisted by Sisters Anne, Cecilia, Beatrice, Stanlaus, Etienne, Lawrence, and Benedicta. The chaplain was Reverend Father Corcoran. From the diary of one of the above-named sisters, the following is extracted. We left Cedar Grove Academy June 9, 1862, for New Creek. Arriving at our destination, we were assigned a tent, erected for our accommodation by order of Dr. McMahon. This gentleman, however, soon procured better quarters for us with a family named Dinges. Here we performed our duties of nursing the sick and wounded with energy and zeal. During our stay at New Creek, we were treated with great kindness and respect, particularly by Colonel Miller, who, although a Protestant, proved a sincere friend of priests and sisters. It is not surprising that our peculiar dress was a source of amusement to many persons who had never before seen a religious. We were frequently asked why we dressed so differently from other ladies. We are happy to relate that our care and kindness removed many prejudices against our religion. We remained at New Creek about three months, then the army moved to Culpeper Courthouse. We followed in ambulances and nursed the sick soldiers in tents pitched on the campgrounds. Some of the soldiers had typhoid fever, of which disease many of them died. When the Confederates were victorious at Harper's Ferry, we retreated to Washington, whence we returned to the mother house, Cincinnati. Gallipolis was the next assignment. The sisters named for the field of charity were sisters Louis, Ambrosia, Euphrasia, Basilia, Gonzaga, Lawrence, Constantina, and Seraphine. About eight months after their return from Cumberland, they were ordered to this location to attend the soldiers from Winchester and Lynchburg. The wounded did not reach the hospitals until 14 days after the battle. The misery and suffering presented was most frightful. The attending physician was Dr. Stone, and the chaplain was Reverend Father Callenberg. Sister Gonzaga, a very holy person, who has since gone to her reward, took quite an interest in little Toby, 
a little darky who was conspicuous about the camp and who endeavored whenever an opportunity occurred of instructing him in the knowledge and love of god when she thought she had instructed him sufficiently and an examination would not be out of place she called him to her and said toby who made you don't know sister he answered she then said to him well toby who made the trees the grass the flowers and all these beautiful things which we see around us the little fellow looked at her for a while and said don't know they was all here when i comed the soldiers in gallipolis acted as gentlemen in their intercourse with the sisters the sight of a sister was sufficient to check the least levity men who had been taught to look on catholics as dangerous people learned to love and respect the faith which taught even women to sacrifice their lives for the comfort or relief of the soldiers the governor of indiana made application to the most reverend archbishop of cincinnati for the sisters to care for and nurse his troops in richmond kentucky sisters anthony and sophia were among the first ones sent they traveled in ambulances from cincinnati the following are extracts from the diaries of these religious much very much might be said of our work at richmond but god alone could tell the story en route from here cincinnati we witnessed sights the most appalling the grounds were covered with wounded dying and dead bodies some of the dead bodies were only partially covered hands and feet protruding the weather being very hot added not a little to the hardships of this scene of action arriving in richmond we began work immediately the hospital had been an academy affording wards larger and better than many other locations during the war shortly after attending to those suffering from the most severe wounds a sister discovered a poor soldier crouched in a corner for hours he had lain under the burning rays of the sun suffering severely from a wound received in his shoulder the flesh surrounding the wound was dreadfully mangled and owing to neglect was swarming with vermin pale and haggard he looked i shall never forget him we washed and dressed his wounds and administered the necessary cordials and when we placed him in a clean cot the reader may imagine his joy another ward in this hospital accommodated more than one hundred men seventeen were lying on the floor each of whom had lost one or more limbs what shall we do with these poor men was the constant query the first death that occurred was of a man who had been shot through the lung he had been exposed to the heat of the sun and had eaten no food for hours everything was done for him but his moments on earth were few he received the last sacraments and died a beautiful death his last words were thanks to the sisters this death and its attending circumstances were the cause of many conversions one pious episcopalian asked the sisters for books on the subject of religion saying that a religion which teaches gentle ladies such devoted self-sacrifice for suffering humanity must be divine no page in history can record such noble deeds of courage and devotion as that illuminating the life and labors of these sisters during their stay at richmond particularly noble was our much esteemed sister anthony history can point to annals of devotion and self-sacrifice of noble women 
but no annals are so rich in noble work and silent charity as that of our loved sister. Hundreds of men scattered over the states will always remember and revere her. She seemed happy when engaged in alleviating the sufferings of others, particularly of the soldiers. The following anecdote from the diary of a sister illustrates the influence that the religious possessed with these soldier boys. It is midnight. The moon sends her welcome light to cheer my watching hours. There is stillness all around, although many soldiers are suffering. But listen, I hear moans. A poor soldier is dying, must away to his cot. Yes, he was dying. I prayed, then spoke. Now, my young friend, you are going home. Home, said the boy. What do you mean, sister? Why, would you not like to go to heaven? Sister, are you going there when you die? I assured the boy that I sincerely hoped to go there. Well, said he, so do I. I called the chaplain, had the soldier baptized, and ere the morning dawned, this beautiful soul was in heaven. This concludes chapter 19.